The key to sustainable leadership lies in the ability to thrive in uncertainty, ambiguity, and change. Grand Heron International brings you the Coaching Assistance Program, giving your employees on-demand coaching to manage through a challenging situation and arrive at a solution. Visit grandheroninternational.ca slash podcast to learn more. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, a podcast dedicated to promoting leadership development and sharing leadership insights. Here's your host, the Leadership Accelerator, Eddie Turner. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast, the podcast dedicated to leadership development and insights. I'm your host, Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator. I work with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact through the power of executive coaching, masterful facilitation, and motivational speaking. Leadership development. This podcast is dedicated to it. It's critically important around the globe. Today, I want to talk about how we develop leaders specifically in Zambia and how by taking a look at how leaders are developed in Zambia at a micro level, how when we maximize at the macro level, we can see the view of how developing leaders locally has significant implications for global leadership development at the macro level. To do that, I've invited an expert on this topic. I've invited Nankande Vandenbroek. Nankande is a development activist and a serial entrepreneur. But she's much more than that. I want to let Nankande tell you more about her background, and then we will begin our discussion. So, Nankande, welcome to the Keep Leading Podcast. Hi, Eddie. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be with you and your audience today. Nankande, it is my honor to have you. I am just thrilled that you accepted my invitation to be a guest on the show Tell my listeners more about you and your incredible background. Thank you. I've been an executive coach for the last 10 years, and my primary purpose has been to develop leaders in Zambia and across the African continent. And doing this has really been driven by a number of things that I believe have a thread throughout the last 20 years of my life. And as a person who believes in the potential of Africa and, and, and investing in its people, I think my career before becoming an executive coach really was pronounced around global development and how the world is connected. So before becoming an executive coach, I spent about a decade working for the United Nations in different countries. So from New York to Geneva, and then on the African continent, living in Senegal, I speak French, uh, and also Malawi. 
I was privileged to appreciate how the plight or our global human cause can be supported to achieve exponential results. And being part of that vehicle and machinery that is driving development across the world helped me to understand the key assets in development, people. And coming out of that career, I went on then to transition into not so much building, supporting projects on the ground, but looking at how I have skills and, a, and talent and a passion for people and translating that into leadership development. And that's how I got to where I am. And to do this, I, I studied at Oxford and HEC Paris because I wanted to not only specialize in people, but appreciate the wider change. And I think our age and times right now speak to a new time, a new era. And so working on developing leaders in the context of continuous evolution and uh, VUCA world has been something that I have gone on to work on in this context, but also contribute globally. Because as we build leaders in Africa, we're also contributing to the global agenda for our human development. That is just simply wonderful. Your background is so rich. And that's why I wanted you to tell that. You can tell that far better than I can. Now, people should know you're not just an executive coach, as you've described yourself. Nankande Vandenbroek has just been recognized by Global Gurus as one of the top 30 coaches in the world. So congratulations on that recognition for 2021, Nankande. Thank you very much. It's quite humbling to be recognized on the list that has the names of people I read, I learn from, and whose tools, whose methods have really shaped me to become who I am. Well, you deserve it. The work that you're doing is nothing short of extraordinary and the impact you're having. And I'm glad you made that other distinction that I did not make. It's not just Zambia. You are also impacting the entire continent of Africa with your work. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you. I find you fascinating when we speak. In fact, you and I met during the pandemic as a part of Marshall Goldsmith's family of the MG100, the, the top coaches that he's brought together. And during the pandemic, it's easy sometimes, especially for those of us in the West, to really have a little bit of myopia. And we are just not looking outside of our own lens. And by talking to you, you said something that stopped me dead in my tracks. We were talking about the assistance that at the time the United States was giving to small business owners and giving to individual families. I really don't mean to put you on the spot, but I am going to put you on the spot. <laughs> Do you remember that conversation? It's been probably a year now, but you yes, said about yes. Zambia, it's very different. Yes, I vaguely remember the conversation. And I think what was interesting is we're all going through, you know, the pandemic is everywhere. And the experience, uh, I think, at, a, at an individual and collective level has been traumatic to different degrees. But the context in which the, it's being experienced does have some differences. And as a result, our approaches to supporting each other through it and out of it can vary. 
Yes. And Marsha was bringing us together. And that was it played a significant role in my life and getting myself and family through the pandemic because Marshall basically, I say, took us to another level. He always had us above and beyond. And we knew kind of what was going to be coming down the pipe two or three days in, in some cases longer before it was showing up in the news. And just because of the access to experts he has and who he was putting us in touch with. And so when we were talking about the assistance that we were getting through the United States resources, you made it very clear to us, listen, that's not available here in Zambia. There is no aid coming. In Zambia and other parts of Africa, people must be more self-sufficient and become more resourceful. Can you talk about that? Yes, I recall, I think, discussing or unpacking the word resilience. What does it mean? Because by virtue of being in a developing country and on a continent that is still in progress, you know, resilience is innate. And I think one of the challenges that the pandemic brought was the need to be self-sufficient because people did what people do. You protect yourself first. So even in an airplane, they tell you to put your mask on first before you try and help anybody else. And that's what COVID did. It actually revealed a number of gaps and weaknesses uh, in, a, in a lot of countries. And the different, different countries responded to support their own people first. And as a result of that, it was quite clear that from an African perspective, we would need to figure out for ourselves some of our own response as the rest of the world decided what it could do for us. And I think that resilience and resourcefulness has meant that we've often had an opportunity, even within crisis, to see things differently, but also to develop our own mechanisms. And I think that's what we've done. It has been hard. The first wave was not as bad as the second. And as we brace ourselves potentially for the, the, the third wave and the arrival of vaccinations, vaccines into the country, we still are resourceful. We're still working out how are we going to work with the resources that have been allocated to us because as you can imagine, we have not been given even now as many vaccines or been able to procure as many vaccines as some of the more richer developed countries have been able to. So you can't just sit and wait. You have to take action. And I think taking action is how we lead in our context. And take action you did. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you, because you're what you explained here about resilience, you're doing this with leadership development. And... Your perspective is just simply, I, I think, insightful, and it's, it's, it's having an impact. So how are you developing leaders in Zambia? So my role has been to really, from a macro level, appreciate that if you take Africa and then bring it down to Zambia, 60% of our population is under 25. So meaning that um, we have a young, what we refer to as a young demographic dividend. I did not know that. Yes, there's a huge opportunity to get leadership development right now for this demographic dividend. And working with multinationals, the government and international organizations in Zambia, my role has been primarily to support them to develop leaders within the context of their strategic objectives. But you can't do that out of the context of what's happening in the country, that 60% of the population is under 25 and how do we then shape how they will lead in the future right now? And working at the C-suite level, it occurred to me that 
there were opportunities earlier to develop these leaders and to support them on their trajectory to leadership positions, to executive positions before they got there. And that's why a lot of my work has been to support the, the middle belt, the middle tier and middle managers, because for us, that is the key to our growth, potential and future. And so my leadership development programs are really focused around, one, increasing self-awareness around the people I work with and creating personal development strategies for themselves, their own personal visions. Because as you can appreciate, we come from a background where poverty is real and many of the people I work with come from situations that have not always had opportunity. And so you take the opportunities you have. So how do we help people design and create a new future for the country and a new future for this continent if they don't have the skills? And it starts at an individual level. So first, creating that vision and increasing self-awareness of the opportunity to actually realize it. And then second, you have to develop the tactical, the hard skills of managing and leading. And I think that toolkit is something that we share as global best practices on how to do not only develop organizations and businesses, but scale them and take them to become impactful into the economies in which they are also uh, supporting. And then thirdly, have looking at the hard skills, the soft skills. How do we get people to appreciate that once you transition from technical into strategic leadership, it's about people and it's about how you behave, how you work with others and how you generate results through others. And your legacy is actually part of that process and journey. Fascinating. And you introduce a new component here that is worth highlighting. You're doing this in the face of immense poverty in, in many cases. Yes, we are a developing country and Zambia is one of the emerging markets on the, on the continent. So there has been growth at a national level, but set back by the pandemic. And we have been growing as an economy. We are a stable country and the dynamics and characteristics of, uh, you know, of Africa are different. You, you know, the regions have their characteristics, but Zambia in Southern Africa has been stable and peaceful. And although we have had, we were in an economic crisis before COVID, which has then been compounded by COVID, we do face these challenges of not only trying to build a country, but build the systems and also support the, the businesses that are going to be part of the partnerships that will take development, not only as a, on, on a responsibility of government, but the private sector and individuals as well. So the context is we are developing this country. Everybody is contributing to the development in a different way to developed countries, where I think there is a sense more of opportunity and access around you. Uh, here, we don't have that. So we have to create it. We're building it. And as a result of not having the resources that other countries have, as a result of needing to be more resourceful and resilient, as you've mentioned, what would you say is the impact that has on the leaders you're developing? So there, I will answer this in two ways. There's the history of Zambia and there's the history of acquiring independence in 1964 from the British. Um, and that history has in it a dynamic that had an impact on the type of leadership that has been produced. 
So the primary goal initially was to gain independence, to be able to self-rule and govern. And uh, post the sort of physical freedom, the next goal has was and continues to be economic um, freedom, being able to not only build a, a thriving and robust economy, but also one that can support its own people and even extend beyond our borders to the region. So there's a historical element to the leadership style and the, the leadership qualities that we have had and are evolving. And over time, what we've been able to do is move from leaders who um, were developed to provide guidance and direction and support even what I would call our traditional systems to change and develop the country in ways that were more directive. And so we had followers. And now as the world evolves and changes, we need leadership, not just at the top. We need leadership at every level. And so that is our current work and our current opportunity is breaking down leadership in Africa to develop leaders who can come forward, not only because they're invited to do so, but because they have the confidence, the courage, and the skills to appreciate that we are building a different leadership DNA. I almost feel like we are rewriting the source code for what it means to be a leader in Africa today. And that is our work. So for me, this is fundamental in developing leaders in Africa. You must understand where we're coming from. Tell me more. When I refer to developing leaders in Africa, and you've got to take it from the historical context and then to the future perspective of where we want to go, it's important to understand that at independence, we were coming out of oppression and suppression by the colonial rulers. And in Zambia, the case was the British. And at independence, our leaders were part of the struggle to get us physically free. And that meant that a lot of the, um, the population before that were, were coming from a mindset and a construct of being told what to do. Go and sit there, do this. You're only allowed to shop here. You can only go to these schools. As natives, you can only do this. And so you can imagine we're coming from a population where we had traditional leadership structures that were broken down and put aside in order to bring in a new system of government and management that was imposed. And so at independence, it now meant that the leaders had to define a new leadership style because the cause was achieved, the goal was achieved to get into independence. And that's been our struggle as Africans to now understand that the agenda now and the work for leadership development is to build the systems that are going to develop the economies, grow the schools beyond what we inherited at, indep at uh, independence and develop the kind of infrastructure that's going to actually allow us to succeed and excel and, and, and have populations that are thriving. And so when I talk about evolving the leadership here, I'm talking about rewriting the source code for the leadership style we inherited or the leadership mindset we inherited. And I am part of an army of coaches across the continent who understand this and appreciate it that whenever we get a client, whenever we go to work with a big company, a small company, or speak to a small group of young people, we appreciate our job. We are going to be responsible and held accountable for driving the transformation and the evolution 
of the leadership DNA in Africa, to create the leaders of the Africa we want in 50 years. And so I'm part of an army of coaches working in different sectors, doing, and I must give them recognition because on the African continent, there are many people driving leadership development so that we can actually break the mold we inherited and redesign our own. And that's why I'm so passionate about Zanga African Metrics, because that's about now getting to the next level of even designing the tools Mm -hmm. and the references and the metrics we use, because we appreciate historically where we're coming from. And when we got independence, for example, in Zambia, Kenneth Kaunda, our first president, he knew that he had several tribes to unite in addition to this transition from the British to the Zambian. And so his philosophy and one thing that we continue to live by in Zambia and unites us, we still have differences. But there's one thing when you speak to a Zambian, we say one Zambia, one nation, because Kenneth Kaunda's philosophy was humanism. He knew that I must unite these people around the fact that they're human first before I take them to the, the that they're Zambian and then they're their respective tribes. Because at the human level, we need to build this country. We can't build it from division. And so for me, that whole philosophy really sticks to my mind when I'm working with my clients. And when I look at the opportunity for transforming leadership development, because it is we're transforming humanity on this continent. And so this is why I thought it's so important to get the historical perspective of where we're coming from, because it's not just about building competencies and capabilities. It's actually transforming the mind. Powerful. Simply powerful. Now, Kande, thank you for giving me more clarity around that. You really are writing the DNA and you make it clear the reason it needs to be rewritten at the DNA level. That's a very appropriate phrase to use. It's, it's, I'm getting chills just talking to you because it's making me think about the work that I've done in terms of researching or listening to stories of people who've talked about what it was like for the American slave. So similar there in the colonization of Africa, of a form of slavery in that, yeah, you're not used to making decisions. So it's one thing not, it's one thing for people to tell you you're not a leader. It's something else when you tell yourself you're not a leader and you tell yourself that because you've never had to lead. Other people have always led you, told you what to do, did the thinking for you. You weren't even allowed to think. And in many cases, weren't allowed to be educated. So when you now are put in that position, you don't know, you truly don't. So it gives new meaning to the words leadership, development. It has to be developed and you're coming from a deeper place to have to build up from than with some other leaders where they, you know, you don't have to go as deep. Yes. Wow. Fascinating. Thank you for sharing that. That's rich. Thank you for illuminating us with that nugget. You're welcome. I love that. That is fascinating, Nankande. And I asked that in part also, Nankande, because I was thinking about how sometimes when people have to work harder to get something, they end up better as a result. And so it sounds like certainly that's what's happening in the great nation of Zambia. And for the 80, this podcast is downloaded in 80 countries. So for leaders who are looking for leaders, tell them why Zambia is not a place to, to overlook when they're trying to broaden their talent bench. I think, you know, what's interesting and what's happening is I think as, as you know, the, 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 the population, the young population, looking at the opportunity, sometimes being a few steps behind the rest of the, the world, 
can be good. And that I say that, and I'll give you the context for it, because it means you can learn from others. You can learn from mistakes that others have made who have gone ahead. And so we've been able to make strides, especially in terms of, I would say, the financial sector and fintech. We've been able to find ways to drive change on the ground for the benefit of, the, of Zambia, but also across the continent. And I think Zambia is a very interesting population because it's, Zambia is highly educated. We place high value on education in Zambia. And whilst there is still a lot of opportunity to increase literacy levels and access to education, the fact that education is one of the primary values in most families, and I could even extend it to a national level, means that the value of education means the value of progress, the value of information and knowledge that can drive change. And so as a market, I think Zambia has, has developed talent in different sectors. Um, uh, and that gives an opportunity to look at Zambia as not just a place to invest in, but a place to work with. Uh, and a place where I think rather than aid, collaboration and trade are becoming increasingly more important as we see the impact of globalization and the multinationals, for example, that I work with here have seen the opportunity in Zambia. And at the same time, have seen that you can't just come with a cookie cutter approach. You can come in, you can appreciate the opportunity in Zambia, but working with the people, understanding the people and helping create or co-create success is a, a fantastic opportunity right now in Zambia. So there's talented um, population, there's a young population, and there is a great opportunity to be part of the next, I would say, 20 years of Zambia as part of the wider African Union vision. Thank you. Well, I am talking to Nankande Vandenbroek. We're talking about collaborative global leadership development and how developing leaders is a local and global collaboration. We'll have more with Nankande right after this. This podcast is sponsored by Eddie Turner, LLC. Organizations who need to accelerate the development of their leaders call Eddie Turner the Leadership Accelerator. Eddie works with leaders to accelerate performance and drive impact. Call Eddie Turner to help your leaders one-on-one -on -one as their coach or to inspire them as a group through the power of facilitation or a keynote address. Visit eddieturnerllc.com to learn more. This is John Perry, Organization and Leadership Development Consultant and Strategic Coach and you're listening to the Keep Leading Podcast with Eddie Turner. We're back, everyone. I'm talking to Nankande Vandenbroek. We're talking about collaborative global leadership development. Developing leaders is a local and a global collaboration. And specifically, we're talking about how it starts there in the nation of Zambia and then goes from a micro level to a macro level to Africa and beyond. Don Conde, before the break, you were telling us about the fascinating work that you're doing and just the impact you're having there in Zambia. Now, your leaders are being developed. The stat that you gave me just blew me away. 60% of the country is 25 years or younger, which means that if you develop them properly, my, what a future for the nation and the world. So tell me more about the collaborative component of leadership development. So we have one planet. And as a result, because we share this home, 
one of the key things I believe in collaborating around uh, leadership development is developing leaders who fully appreciate that we have a responsibility and we are also connected by means, by the very means of just existing on this earth. And as a result of that, if we look at what we're trying to achieve here in, in, in Zambia, is to help people reduce poverty, have better lives for themselves. And the degree of poverty varies across the continent, and it varies even across Zambia, whether in rural or urban. But from a bigger picture perspective, we are all trying to live a better life that we can find fulfilling and be successful in. And that requires looking at the different aspects of life and living that connect us. And this can be either education, health, uh, nutrition, it can be uh, gender equality, it can be all sorts of um, different areas. And I like to refer to the Sustainable Development Goals of the United Nations, because I think that umbrella of the 17 goals brings together our global collaboration. And so when you take those goals and you break them down and bring them to the level of Africa and then Zambia, collaboration requires us in Zambia to appreciate, for example, what it means to reduce poverty, what it means to build a health system, and what it means to be able to provide education and promote uh, or support women and empower them. And so collaboration for me is about what the efforts that Zambia makes to achieve those goals has a ripple effect or domino effect on the progress of the rest of the world and how together, working on different areas, we can actually achieve results. And leadership development for me is how we achieve those results and the people who lead us to those results, wherever they are, at the top, yes, strategically, but as we work in, within, within organizations, my role is to support the competencies and the skills of people who, are, who have given me or have been entrusted to me to acquire across their journey of their career the ability to contribute to those bigger pictures and those bigger goals. So whether they're working in a bank, I work with banks here, whether they're working for a non-for-profit organization that is dealing with shelters for, for women and gender-based violence, or whether it's working with, uh, in the, with academia in, in private universities, it's important to recognize that when we're developing leaders in, the, in their context, in their organization, they're also contributing to a larger goal. And so for me, developing leaders through my work in Zambia is about understanding that and contributing to that. And the people I work with don't always make this relationship or this connection. But I believe one of my, my purpose, the reason I was created to contribute to my generation and all my experiences to date have led me to be in this position to see both of these pictures and see the opportunity that I am a bridge to connect. And to the point that you just made about developing the competencies and the leadership of your the people entrusted to you, you said so nicely that you were put here to help others in this time. You've created the Zanga African Metrics as an assessment to that end. Can you talk about that? Yes. I am Western trained and I have had the privilege of having been given the opportunity to be educated abroad. And this education has meant that I've been able to bring back best practices 
to Zambia. But over time, I started to notice a disconnect between the tools I was using to support the people entrusted to me and how they actually achieved or realized change in this context and in this culture. And I looked for tools that could appreciate a bit more the social, the cultural and social influences that affect how we actually show up at work. And these behavioral insights that are driven by the local culture and even just the the virtue of the developing country context. And I couldn't find any. So I decided to look into this and develop one. And Zanka African Metrics is about that. It is about encouraging a conversation across the African continent to start developing tools and products and services using our intelligence, using what we know from our traditions, from our cultures, but also building from the foundation of global best practices. So I've learned, and as you mentioned Marshall earlier, I've learned from some of the best in the world, but how do I make that land here in Zambia? Whether I'm working in a program for a multinational multinational company or whether I'm supporting a community program in a province uh, across the country, which I'm actually doing right now, how do I help that transfer of knowledge and be a catalyst for that change or an interpreter of the intent of the tool into this culture so that it can drive the results that will be sustainable here. And so that's what Zanga African Metrics is about. It's about developing tools by Africans for Africans that we increase our own self-awareness of how we do achieve results here and how we can encourage more norm groups and comparison groups that are from the continent. And so my psychometric assessment is building a Zambian norm group or reference group that we can use to do, continue to develop leaders. Because I have tools and I have some tools that are American and European and they, they have comparison and norm groups that um, support you to appreciate where your average is or where you stand vis-a-vis this functional role in the context maybe in London or New York. And I thought, well, let's have some tools that give you the context and the comparison closer to home. Lusaka, Johannesburg, Nairobi, Lagos, Abidjan. Let's start looking at that from an African perspective. I do believe we know enough now and can adapt some of these frameworks and methods to develop tools that are consistent and deliberate for our culture, for our society, and for our people. And I'm not denying the impact of the tools that have built me, the tools that I use and worked with from the West. I'm building on them and adapting them. This is a partnership and a collaboration, I believe, that is very powerful and impactful. You're just amazing. (laughs) You are so amazing. That is phenomenal. And the reason I was intrigued by that, what you did, is because it was very similar to what was uh, at one time a challenge for some people in the school systems here in the States where the questions were written to where if you weren't from a certain background, you just couldn't understand. You wouldn't give the right answer. So I love what you're saying there that you've given them something that has a norm group against their own, but then yes, you're allowing them to go out and then benchmark themselves against the rest of the world. And you're bringing the best of your education, by the way, you speak four languages. Tell us those languages again. So I am fluent in English and French, and I also have my two Zambian languages, uh, Bemba and Nyanja, which are more working knowledge, I I believe, rather than actual written, because we come from an oral culture, so the languages have been adopted that way. 
Beautiful. So you're able to bring that back to let people still be true to their native tongue, their native culture, but then to be able to be global leaders on a bigger stage, you're letting them see how they measure up and then you're sharing with them the best of both worlds, which is simply magnificent and allows them to build the bench strength there in Zambia and on the continent of Africa that can impact the world. Yes. You are just amazing. And I, I, I'm so glad you took some time to talk with me today. What's the main message you would like to make sure that everyone listening to the Keep Leading podcast walks away with from our conversation? I think it's important for me to share that um, we're designing this future together. We're designing where the world will be in 50 years together right now. And whilst we're sitting in different places across the, the, the world, I think it's important to take note and increasingly more of what's going on in different countries so that we nobody has the monopoly on intelligence around what the world will look like and what will make it successful in 50 years. And so we are co-creating this together. And as we develop the leaders that are going to take us to this future, I think it's important for us to acknowledge the efforts that we are all making and providing ingredients towards this meal that we're preparing together. So I want people to take away that we are designing this future together. And to design it together means being able to see each other and hear each other and listen to each other. Not to overtake or overrun or dominate the other, but rather we've got to take the elements of what works from each other and pull them together in service to sharing this vision for the world and how we want to show up as people as a people in 50 years. And it's important to say that because I may not be there, you may not be there, but we would have contributed to what our children will inherit. Thank you. What's the best advice a leader ever gave you or a quote you use to help you keep leading? I love a quote from Kwame Nkrumah. Kwame Nkrumah was the first prime minister and president of Ghana. He took them to independence in 1957. And he said, we face neither east nor west. We face forward. That is so powerful Mm. for me. Because he was talking about a time where there was a potential divide for Africa to choose either the east or the west to support them and lead them. And he made it clear that this is not about picking sides. This is about keeping our eyes on the ball. Where do we want to go together? And then... How are we going to work it out to cooperate and support each other to get there? I like that. Thank you, Nankande. Where can my listeners learn more about you? I am on LinkedIn, the Nankande Vandenbroek, and I also have a website, zangametrics.com, Z-A-N-G-A-M-E-T-R-I-C-S.com. I'm also on Twitter and at Nankande. Excellent. We will put that in the show notes so people can click on those easily to connect with you. And I encourage everyone listening, connect with Nankande. Follow her on Twitter, connect with her on LinkedIn, visit her website. She is doing, as you heard on the episode here, amazing work. And I am just so, so thrilled that you came here to be on the Keep Fitting Podcast to share what you're doing to impact locally and globally. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Eddie. It's been a wonderful conversation and pleasure to join you and the global audience listening in. Thank you so much. 
And thank you for listening. That concludes this episode, everyone. I'm Eddie Turner, the Leadership Accelerator, reminding you that leadership is not about our title or our position. Leadership is an activity. Leadership is action. It's not the case of once a leader, always a leader. It's not a garment we put on and take off. We must be a leader at our core and allow it to emanate in all we do. So whatever you're doing, always keep leading. Thank you for listening to your host, Eddie Turner, on the Keep Leading Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to the Keep Leading Podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen. For more information about Eddie Turner's work, please visit eddieturnerllc.com. Thank you for listening to C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.